All right. Hello, everyone. This is Representative Dan Miller. Thank you for joining us here at On the Table podcast. Uh, I'm very excited to be talking today uh, with a special guest uh, from one of our really good organizations locally here in the district. Um, We're going to be talking a bit uh, about mental health, but it's really sort of a precursor to our annual disability and mental health summit that's coming up on May 11th uh, here in the district. Actually, it's slightly out of the district because Dan Deasy had to take that part of Scott Township from me, but uh, it is right close to here in Mount Lebanon, uh, and so we appreciate the Bethel congregation for hosting us every year. It'll be, again, May 11th at 9 o'clock, but to help sort of understand where we are and what we're going to be talking about, I thought it would be great to turn to some local experts to just get a little pulse check, and that brought us to Miss Caitlin Campbell, who is the clinical director at the Outreach Teen and Family Services located right down the street from my office. Caitlin, thank you for joining us. It's good to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Of course. And Caitlin, I, I know uh, you're, you got that big title, clinical director. That's powerful. We know you're doing many, many good things. But <laughs> what can you tell us about uh, just kind of kicking us off about the type of work that Outreach does? Yeah, so um, Outreach Teen and Family Services is a local nonprofit community resource that offers counseling and educational programs in the South Hills community. Um, We've been providing connections and care for almost 50 years. Outreach's main priority is to provide easily accessible, professional, non-judgmental, and confidential counseling to our community. Um, Although we do operate as a fee-for-service, we do not turn anyone away due to financial hardship, so we have subsidies to provide for anyone who may need it. We really strive to ensure that children, teens, and families have the resources and services necessary to help them live happy and healthy lives. Um, We have an incredible staff of master's prepared counselors and licensed professionals who provide individual, family, and group therapy. Um, Well, let let me ask you about that staff too with it, right? So from what I understand, uh, demand has been going down. You guys are bored. You guys are, are, are not having enough to do. Is that accurate? Not at all. <laughs> really? What a shock. Yeah. Oh. So Yeah. The needs yeah. are great. I think we're seeing a huge um, uptick in mental health needs after COVID. And well, I say after, but I mean, we're still feeling the effects of COVID well after the lockdowns have ended. And um, with that has led to a lot of people needing some extra support and care with their wellness and uh, mental health. Wow. And so that means we need providers to provide that care. And uh, yeah, there's just not enough of us for the amount of needs that are out there in the community well, right now. And I know I cut you off a little bit with something there to remind me how many how many therapists are, do you actually have in outreach yeah. right now? Yeah, so I will say we currently have nine. Um, I would love to have double <laughs> because. Well, on the serious side, would you yeah. actually, is that where you think need is taking you? Is that you, you really are probably half of where need, is, need you know, would be? Yeah. yeah, the the number of kids and families who are calling for support right now, um, we just don't have the, the staff to provide all of that care. Um the counselors that we have are part-time. So a lot of them have a full-time job where they're providing mental health services, or maybe they're a school counselor mm-hmm. for their day job. And then they do this in the evenings and weekends, um, which is great for taking away that barrier for a lot of families, no, but it's, um, we just don't have enough of them. 
you know, those no doubt having that sort of evening and, and weekend possibilities are, are right. key. Access continues to be like a, a major que- uh, question. I, I almost think to some degree we're making a, a good progress in combating stigma in the mm-hmm. sense that more people seem to be willing to raise their hands and say, here's, you know, here here I am and here's what I, can, I, I need. But I'm not quite yeah. sure that, you know, we are regionally or as a state anywhere close to meeting the need as you were referencing. Yeah, I would totally agree. I think we have finally started to lift that stigma of mental health, but with that comes a lot of need to give support. Um, The people that maybe we would never would have known about are finally feeling comfortable to admit that they need a little bit of help. Um, But then we need to provide the trained people who can provide that care. And right now it's just, it's just not there. Well, and, 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 you know, on that point, too, because you mentioned your nine that you have, but um, I get, uh, can you, like, help me, um, just to be clear, I know um, that there are different levels of, I broadly say therapists, yeah. but just so I understand, perhaps, what is, like, maybe the educational levels of each type of therapist that you guys may have? Yeah. That's a great question. We have some who are master's level. So they went for their graduate degree um, in mental health counseling. Some of them are in infant mental health counseling. Some of them have their um, master's in education and got uh, some school counseling education. So all of our staff have that bare minimum. Um, But some are working toward becoming licensed professionals. So they receive two years of clinical supervision, and then they're able to uh, sit for their boards, and then they take some tests, and then they can uh, become licensed professional counselors. Or like me, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So those are just two names for pretty much the same thing. We're licensed therapists to provide that clinical care. So we have both. Well, and what's what is the big difference? What's the big value when somebody's licensed to reaches that level, what does it mean as far as greater assistance to the individual? Sure. Well, it guarantees that they were um, given supervision by somebody who has a lot of experience in the field. So you're getting somebody who lived the experience of working with people, but then also had someone to really be able to discuss and process through. Although we're therapists, we're still humans. So it's good for us to have people to bounce ideas off of to make sure that, you know, we're we're thinking outside of our own selves. Um, the other big perk is that you're able to accept insurance if you're licensed. Uh, and so okay. that will help a lot of families um, who maybe wouldn't be able to get care in other places. Like, right. but like I said already, we, we never turn anyone away for financial hardship, but it is sometimes better for families to use their insurance oh, yeah. um, oh. to get a lower cost. No doubt, no doubt about that. Well, let's let's talk about the kids a little bit. I appreciate that information. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, for our summit, one of the topics that we're going to be talking about is uh, mental health in schools. And I know outreach um, has partnerships. Um, I, I, I know it's with Mount Lebanon. Is it Bethel as well? Yep, Bethel. Yes, and we yep. started. We're talking with Keystone Oaks. We've been getting a few uh, referrals from them as well, which has been great. Yeah, and and so you're obviously you know, focused on, on on our kids right here at home. Um, when you're talking about the uptick of need or demand for services there, can you give us a little idea of, of what type of issues uh, the kids are c- coming to you with? 
Yeah, I would say a lot in this community. So in the South Hills community, I would say a lot of it is um, anxiety related to the pressure to perform. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we're really seeing the effects of COVID and the lockdowns that we had. And some kids had a different experience for their education for a few years. And um, the expectations haven't really changed, though. So although we've experienced something that none of us have ever worked through before, um, right. a lot of the educational systems are still built the same way and have the same expectations. So that need to still be performing the way that you would before you had a pandemic shut down your life for three years yeah. um, has definitely created some high anxiety and some depression in kids as well, just because they're, I, I don't want to say that's the only reason, but it definitely is showing up for us here. Now, are, are most of the people come to you, are they coming to you from maybe a recommendation from the school or a connection with the school, or are they finding you guys more so just outside of the school system uh, that way? Yeah, I'd say it's a mix of both. I think we do have a great relationship with the two schools that we mentioned um, that, you know, the school counselors or maybe even administrators are referring families to come and check us out. We do educational programming and we get out there and table at different events to get our name out to those schools as well. So some families yeah. just saw us somewhere and then they'll call. Well, I know you guys will be at our Disability and Mental Health Summit, so yes. uh, which is good. I think I think you guys have always been, to be honest. This is our 10th year doing it, and I don't think outreach has ever not been there. So uh, our, our event has kind of ebbed and flowed over time with size, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, we always appreciate the, the connection. So, you know, look, one of the things that um, concerns us and we're going to be talking a bit about is, you know, so you're, you're, bringing, you're talking about some increase in anxiety for kids, mm -hmm. uh, maybe some depression as well. Um, as far as schools themselves, right, um, one of the debates that we were having in a discussion in Harrisburg is how staff, how much staff should be built out? Where should, you know, what should schools have as mm -hmm. far as their internal capabilities in relation to being uh, a mental health partner for families uh, and, and for, for kids and so forth? So knowing that you have some um, insight into Mount Lebanon and Bethel Park, a little bit of KO, but even beyond, do you have some thoughts as to what you think would make a, a full complement of, of services in schools? Yeah, so um, prior to this job, I actually spent the last decade working as this, a school district's um, mental health provider. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, a different schools, the last five were in a school in Washington County, a very small rural school. Um, but having people like that, having people like me being in that space, I think is where to start. Um, having staff trained on mental health and having understandings of what behaviors look like. But, um, but should, should, now you were licensed when you were in Washington County. That's correct. Right. Should that is that what we should be having in schools? Yes. The life, yeah. Go ahead. Yes, because, well, if we're th if we're thinking about this in the financial world as well, like I'm able because I was licensed, I was able to bill for some of my services um, that I provided for schools. And so that helps. Right. To find funding there. Um, but you're, like I said before, you just get 
someone who has a lot of experience once you get that license. And I think that that, you know, as a professional, we're always working toward that growth. And so I think that's important. Well, one of the advantages, obviously, of somebody developing, um, you know, sort of an outside um, the school system uh, mm-hmm. support network there is that uh, to some degree it can follow, um, you know, uh, and it's not, you know, um, I'm not clear. And this is one of the reasons we want to talk about it is uh, the line between uh, a therapeutic line between what you can get from having a licensed professional in school versus um, the type of therapeutic support you can have from an outside the school, you know. Right. Yeah. Can you help yeah. me with that? some thoughts on that? Absolutely. There are boundaries that need to be created um, because one thing that I would always remind anyone in the district was that there are things that we just won't address at school um, because never should we have a kid process a, tra- a traumatic experience and then go to math class, right? So. Mm-hmm. There are things that we need to make sure wouldn't really be touched in school and that we would refer out when appropriate. Um, Having somebody in the building is great for not only the crisis support that comes up, but also to be more preventative and be able to establish um, groups and individual work to try to help kids before they really need it. So getting like the lowest level of care that you can to be more preventative and proactive, which ultimately will keep kids in your buildings, which will keep them, um, their education will actually be meaningful when they have the skills that they need to take care of their mental well-being. So I think, yeah, there have to be some boundaries discussed and identified, but a good clinician understands what's appropriate ethically to, uh, to work with a kid when it's in a setting like that. And, and is there a part um, just so I understand uh, for how it works in the school, where there is an outreach effort to um, help establish um, with the family, help establish, um, you know, a connection to to greater resources outside. Is that something that a school clini- a clinician um, practitioner would do? Sure. I mean, I think it's valued. Um anybody who wants to work with kids knows that they have to work with the families in order to really evoke any kind of change. And so connecting families to the resources that are around them is one big piece of working with kids in general. Um, So it all depends on what resources are out there, though. And like we've already talked about, they're pretty limited. Um, Allegheny County has a lot more than Washington County. Um, Yeah. But that doesn't mean that, I mean, there's still wait lists in Allegheny County. Too, oh, I, so. yeah, oh, believe me, I we're well aware of these wait lists out here. Yeah. That's, that's very true. You know, and, and obviously you mentioned being in a, a rural district. Uh, let me just ask you um, uh, regarding your experience, uh, too, is what about as far as the number of licensed, um, you know, uh, professionals in a school district? You mentioned you were in a smaller one, a more rural uh, yeah. school district there. Did you have concerns? Were you seeing a volume where at times you were like, look, I'm not enough? Yeah. You know, yeah, you were. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I carried a caseload depending on the year. I would say my highest was in the 60s of a school district that had probably 1,100 kids K through 12. Really? So um, I had a very, very high caseload and I could have 
worked with more, you know, the need was there, but funding is funding, right? So yeah. you take as many as you can and find the, the support and try to refer out as much as you can and get the, the kids in the right places. But, you know, the barriers are everywhere and the more rural, the less resources. So that was always the struggle. And a question for you too regarding an IEP. So mm-hmm. if, if, a, if one of the kids you were seeing had an IEP as well, did they integrate you into the IEP meetings or, or no? Yes. So I was actually hired to only work with kids who had an IEP. So their mental health or behavioral health had to be impeding their educational experience in order to work with me. Did, did you find that limiting though? I mean, that, that's yes. not, every, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like I said, there were so there were just so many levels of care within the school district itself that, you know, if we could have found a way to be a little bit more preventative, then maybe they wouldn't have needed that higher sure. intervention. Yeah, well, I, I think it's one of those things, too, where, you know, it, it gets a little bit um, gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, look, obviously there are kids and uh, who will have a mental health diagnosis and a time needs some, some greater therapeutic support. And to be honest, it may not be impacting their learning directly in the classroom, or at least in a measured way that right. that would rise to the level of a formal IEP. And, you know, I understand that school districts at times, given perhaps limited resources from the state, need to triage. Mm-hmm. But it, it does, unfortunately, leave kids who have a diagnosis but don't have an IEP out, out in the dark a bit. Right. And also, you know, we get the ones who are externalizing their their struggles, right? But there were a lot of kids out there that are more internalizers, sure. keeping it in, not really talking or sharing. So they were still struggling, but we didn't right. really know why or what was really going on because they didn't have somebody to really talk through and, with and it. And all too right? often, those could be the kids who need the, the help the most. Absolutely. Right? But the squeaky well, wheel gets the grease or whatever that phrase is. Well, I'll tell you, Caitlin, I, I I thank you so much for for making some time to talk with us today. And you know, we always appreciate outreach and the 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 great uh, role that it plays and has played um, in our community. It's it's for decades now, uh, and I know the Malibin commissioners who are here also help uh, fund uh, outreach and, and keep those services available. It's a very sort of unique arrangement. Uh, mm you know, that's there. And, uh, and it's clearly your guys work is, is more needed now than arguably probably maybe ever before. So, uh, but we thank you so much. Are you happy over there? You doing well? At, I love uh, it. At yeah. Yes. I love it so much. It's really, really nice to be so connected in the community and, and get some resources to kids who need it. Well, and, and for those of you who don't know, Outreach moved in a couple of years ago to a, a brand new space up here on Washington Road, which looks fantastic. And on our screen, I could see how how inviting the therapeutic <laughs> rooms are. They look great. You know, uh, and Mary Burks did a great job, too, on the art. I know that's another. I think the art was from another Mount Lebanon resident, if I recall. Yeah, everything was donated. This room's furniture was donated. So uh, we're very lucky to have such a supportive community who really cares about not only the community but the families within it and their kids and mental health well and so everybody listening to don't forget that outreach uh, you know is there for everybody it's easy to outreach to outreach uh so uh, <laughs> please do find them and, and caitlin i want to thank you for sharing uh, a bit of your expertise with us just sort of like getting us started thinking about uh, our disability and mental health summit again on may 11th we know outreach will be there uh, and we thank you very much for your time caitlin and all your good work you're doing over there Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.